Welcome to The Wine Beat. This is Craig. Today's episode is an interview with Frédéric Chaudière of Chateau Pesquier in the Ventoux region of the Rhone Valley in France. I really think you're going to like this episode. The Ventoux region and Chateau Pesquier in particular are examples of exactly what we're looking for at The Wine Beat. The Ventoux region recently obtained its own AOC within the Rhone Valley, a relatively unknown region, but with a long wine-growing history. Chateau Pesquier, run by the uh, young Chaudière brothers within the family tradition, and pushing the boundaries of what can be produced with uh, wines in the Ventoux, generally within the Rhone tradition, but made in this uh, very special microclimate and this very special location with its altitude and its own terroir. So uh, without further ado, let's get on with the interview with Frédéric Chaudière, but please stay tuned at the end of the episode. We're going to have some more notes on on the Ventoux, on Chateau Pesquier, on the Rhone Valley, and uh, and a few extra things that we'll throw in there, foods, etc. So uh, stay tuned at the end, but here's here's the interview with Frederick. I think you're going to like it. Uh, thanks again so much for joining me today. I'm very happy to be here. This is a real treat. Great so, pleasure to have you, Craig. Thank you. Well, let's talk about Chateau Pesquier, and let's talk about the broader context in which uh, wines are made here at Chateau Pesquier. Um, I thought, if it's okay with you, that we could start with the, uh, the general discussion of terroir and climate and how that impacts the wines that you produce here. Well, it's a long story, but if, if there was maybe one word to remember or to start with, it would be altitude. You know, the, what give our AOC its name is a mountain, the Ventoux Mountain, uh, which is close to 2,000 meters high. And we are based in the southern foot of that mountain uh, at an altitude which is between 300 and a little bit more than 400 meters. You know, you were telling me about this earlier, and I maybe I'll just make a note that on the show notes for this program on the website, I'll post some photos from your uh, from your the 3D hospitality maps. area with the yeah. 3D maps, and that will maybe allow people to see the importance of this altitude distinction. 3D is paramount to understand the, the area indeed. And um, so not only we are a little bit elevated, which already gives us a fresher kind of climate, um, a cooler microclimate. But the, the, the kind of um, amphitheater of the mountain um, is, creates a valley that is closed by other hills. And, and these hills trap the cool air that comes down at night from the mountain. And so uh, we are, we're basically, thanks to that, the latest ripening area in the southern Rhone, and with this combination of altitude and, and influence, direct influence of the mountain, um, we, we get to finish the harvest the latest, and it helps us to have better acidity. So the freshness of the climate translates in the freshness of the wines. It helps us to uh, get great concentration, fix the color. I mean, um, we feel very lucky uh, in a way that uh, we, we have all this, uh, uh, the great effects of the altitude. I'm a, I'm a great believer in cool climate wines and cool climate winemaking coming from British Columbia. And I think I've seen uh, from my experience that you, produce, you can produce wonderful wines when you have that 
the effect of a cooler climate. Definitely. Let's put it in context a little bit then in terms of the broader Rhone region. How, how does uh, Chateau Pesquet and the Ventoux region fit in the broader context of the Rhone region then? So uh, we are part of the Rhone Valley. Um, the, the Rhone Valley is this big ensemble uh, with uh, a northern Rhone that, um, and, a, and a southern Rhone that are quite different. So maybe if you want to give you a few words about both and, and we'll come back to the Ventoux and, and its characteristics. The, the northern Rhone is very small in surface. It's probably only 15% of the surface of the Rhone Valley, but it also gathers many of its most prestigious AOCs. You have Cote-Roti, Condrieux, Saint-Joseph, Hermitage, all these names that, you know, sounds like uh, magic to the, ear, uh, to the ears yes, of, the, yes. of the wine lover. Um, but in the Northern Rhone, there's only one red variety, Syrah, and only three uh, white varieties. It's either 100% Viognier or blends uh, with Roussan and Marsan. Mm-hmm. It's relatively simple. Right. In the Southern Rhone, there's a, there's a so much more vineyards, a larger variety of, um, of grapes. Grenache is the king one. There's a lot of Syrah, Carignan, Cinso, Mourvedre, just, just to name a few. For the whites, there's Grenache Blanc, Viognier as well, uh, Roussan, Claret, um, Bourboulinc, and, and so on. So, um, and in terms of soil, when it's mostly slate um, in the north, it's, let's say, I have to simplify to, to make it uh, understandable, but um, limestone uh, and clay would be the main component of the south. But there's a, there's a much uh, broader uh, diversity in the south. And the Ventoux is at the border, uh, the southeast border of the Rhone Valley. Right. Getting really close to Provence, actually. It's somehow um, at the crossroad between the southern Rhone and Provence. I'll, pr- I'll try to put up a, a map as well. I can put yeah. up a map on the, on the, on the website and, and we can point out exactly where Ventoux is. Why have to be map lovers? Yes, that's true. Okay, so um, so we're we're almost bordering on Provence, yep. uh, and the uh, the AOC, the Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée, Perfect. is Ventoux, yes, within the broader yes Côte du Rhône AOC. So we are part of the Rhône Valley as the Ventoux AOC, but we are not part of the Côte du Rhône AOC. The Côte du Rhône is. Um, is gathering oh, most. I didn't know that. It's it's a tricky one. We, okay, know, we, we okay. French like to do things very in a very complicated I'm way. I'm glad you said that first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, everybody knows it, right? Um, anyway, so we are we we share we all share the Rhone, but we're not Côte du Rhône. We are Rhone Valley vineyards. Yeah. And um, and maybe to, to kind of um, come back to what I was starting to say with Southern Rhone and Northern Rhone. Uh, the funny thing about the Ventoux is that we're definitely in the south, mm-hmm. uh, geographically, but thanks to the altitude, we do have a higher proportion of northern Rhone varieties. So oh, okay. Quite a lot of Syrah, quite a lot of Viognier, quite a lot of Roussan, in unusual proportions compared to the average of the southern Rhone. 
Right. Okay, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. And maybe, again, we'll have the opportunity to describe the wine varieties. We will, on the website, be able to show something of the wine varieties that you've described and, uh, and the typical blends of the uh, Southern Rhone and then what Chateau Pesquier does in terms of its blends. That's interesting. So, but we are talking about uh, largely Grenache-based yes. wines, yes. But, but a higher proportion maybe of Syrah than, than you would otherwise find in the Southern Rome. Absolutely. There's, okay. we, are, we have a little bit more Grenache than Syrah, but um, at the end of the day, they ne would nearly have the same surface of both. Okay. Which is unusual. Well, and I think this fits really well in, in, the, um, in, the, in the broader theme that I'm trying to develop here on the podcast in terms of winemaking regions that are a little bit different mm -hmm. than, uh, that what pe than people might be aware of, that people might have previously assumed. Winemaking regions that can bring something quite unique to uh, wine drinking. And um, so this is an interesting story. The Ventu, I think, is a very compelling story. Uh, I'm sure we're going to come back because we're going to talk more about the Chateau Pesquier wine. So we'll come back to terroir and, mm -hmm. and climate and those sorts of things. But let's talk a little bit about the history to, again, keep the context and, and allow the listeners to understand uh, Chateau Pesquier. Well, I'm with, with my brother, Alex. I am the third generation at Chateau Pesquier. Um, the estate entered the family at the very beginning of the 70s. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because it's totally random, but so my grandparents took over in 71 and the Ventoux AOC was created in 73. So okay. in a way, um, you know, the, the destiny of my family has been very much aligned with uh, the, the birth and, and growth of, uh, of our AOC. Um, my grandparents, Odette and René, uh, were cooperators for about 15 years, um, along the 70s and the, the beginning of the 80s. They restructured a large part of the estate, which explains why we have quite, quite a bit of old vines. Um, and um, my parents, Paul and Edith, took over in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. um, they were. Um, they had started their professional life as a, a physiotherapist and a speech therapist. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. And uh, yeah, they decided so, once um, my my grandparents uh, were were starting to to take a little bit of a distance with the vineyards to take over. So they they traveled a lot. They actually uh, became sommelier. We have a great uh, wine school in the area. Um, at Suze Larousse, l'Université du Vin. And so they did that, um, traveled vineyards um, in the US, in Spain, uh, many regions in France, in Italy. Um, and, um, and they decided after five years that they should be more than uh, just vine growers. They really wanted um, to become winemakers and they had done some kind of micro uh, vinifications and and really it was clear to them that, that there was a huge potential on the estate so in 1990 um, they started our own independent winery right. we left gradually the cooperative and um, now the cooperative is the is the is the local uh, wine Growers' cooperative exactly. that the growers would have sold their grapes into. Exactly. And do they, that probably still exists? They still exist. It's, it's still 
um, the majority of the production that go through that model. Um, indeed, the cooperative is kind of a, a collective structure uh, with people that make wine with the grapes brought by the growers. Um, right. the, the limit we felt of that system was that it's not the same person that grow the grapes, understand the vines, and make wine with it. Yeah, wonderful. And, and you know, if, without that continuity, um, it, it is sometimes difficult to get to you know, the, the highest level you, you can reach. It's a, very, it's a very interesting story about your parents because they both, uh, after working different careers, obviously found a passion or found that their passion brought them back to Ventoux and back to the, the chateau or the, the domain. But then they decided that they could take the unique qualities of this location and harness that by by basically uh, working the whole value chain from the growing Absolutely. through the winemaking and control quality and produce an exceptional product. Yeah. Okay. And in 1990, when they started this totally new adventure, they were one of uh, the, the only independent state. I think there was less than 10 independent estates at the time. Uh, to give you an idea, nowadays there's more than 130. In Ventoux. In the Ventoux. So um, they, they, they really started uh, a strong trend. Mm. You know, and, and still now, there's probably five to ten new estates every year that are popping out in the area. Okay. But at the time, they were, um, I wouldn't say people were laughing at them, but uh, definitely doubting mm. their kind of uh, high quality purposes. Quite visionary, uh, especially in a new area, uh, uh, an area that is, I can't say, call it a new area because grapes have been grown in the Ventoux for centuries, uh, yes. we know, but, uh, but they, were, uh, they were really uh, pushing the boundaries. And they definitely had a terroir selection ambition that wasn't the, 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 the local culture in, mm. in winemaking. Do you think the locals would have found them a little bit strange pursuing the winemaking business in that way? I think so. It, it's, there's, um, th there was a lack, I think, of belief in the fantastic potential of our terroir. Okay, yeah. And, um, and fortunately now things have changed. Well, they, you, know, but, you know, you had they, tough competition because you're in the Rhone Valley. And, absolutely. And with, with all of the famous appellations, as you, as you mentioned. No question. Yeah. But now we're not afraid to go after Gigondas or Chateauneuf. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, it's a great story. Um, and I don't want to cut you off because um, we've just talked about your parents. Then you and your brother came into yeah. the, the picture. And we, we started taking over uh, gradually. I, I arrived in 2003. So it's, it's already been 15 years. And uh, my brother uh, was back and forth because he was, he was also making wine in... Um, Burgundy in Australia and um, Cotroti in Germany. I mean, he he worked in many different wine regions, and um, his first vintage, um, our first vintage, really without our parents, who by the way were never really far. Let's face it, yeah. um, was 2006. So to, since 2006, we've really kind of had the keys of uh, of the winery and and the estate. And your mother and father, are they looking over your shoulder from time to time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're officially <laughs> retired, but 
they they do come to yeah, the winery sure. nearly on a daily basis. Okay. Um, fantastic. Well, let's talk about the wines. It's important that you just tell us about the wines, the philosophy for your winemaking. And uh, again, coming back, maybe we it's time to circle back to the terroir here, the location and the climate, and uh, talk about the wines. Yeah, I mean, to, to talk about the wines, we need to talk about the vines uh, first. And, um, and this is really where we've put most of our energy uh, with my brother since we, we took over. Um, we, our father had moved to sustainable farming in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. um, Again, he was ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, uh, and we started um, from, from the beginning when we took over um, the, the conversion, uh, organ the organic conversion of a few plots. And the first plot that was converted uh, organically was in 2007. Uh, now we, we have just finished the conversion of the whole estate um, in, in organic farming. We're very proud of that because it's 100 hectares. Yes. And um, it, was a, it was a long process, but, uh, but we've, uh, we've managed. And, um, Congratulations, but, That's, that is fantastic. And uh, we've restructured also part of the estate, all the, 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 the weakest parts, let's say, uh, across the years. Um, we have higher trellis now, uh, more density in the mm -hmm. vines. Um, and um, in the last three years, we've uh, really started developing um, biodynamic practices as well. That's fascinating. I, I wish we had more time to talk about that. Maybe, maybe a future for, episode. For, for nights, uh, yeah. days and nights about uh, biodynamic. We're still, we're still only scratching the surface, I feel. But, uh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a big project to undertake yeah. and it's complex, yeah. and, and, but it's very fascinating. But we have a, we have a very pragmatic uh, way to, to look at it and, and to, it's really the, the experimental side of it, the, the fact that we, we do exchange um, with many other winemakers in other regions. Uh, it's, it forces you to observe more your vines and to try to understand them. In a, in a deeper level. Mm. We, we don't really buy the esoterical side of, of uh, biodynamics, um, but, uh, but again, we, we've seen already in three years very interesting results uh, to the point that this vintage, 2018, will be the first where all, all the estate will be led uh, organically. And so we are hoping to be actually... And biodynamically. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, the conversion should be official for the 2019 vintage. So tell me, can you taste that in the wines? It is, it is a tricky question, um, but, but we, can, we can definitely taste the evolution that has been very progressive since you know, the, the first plot in 2007 that, was, um, that became organic. Mm -hmm. And, and you know the, the evolution of the wines in the in the years 2010 um, up to now telling you that we can already see the effect in the wine of the biodynamic practices it's probably a little bit early because you know we're very much in 2016 right now which right. was actually the first uh, real vintage where we started it takes yeah, time but we can already see the effects in the vines we can see um, 
the the earth the soil uh, smells a bit different changed a little bit of color the, um, the density of the rootstocks of the um, of the herbs um, or, or of the plant mm -hmm. for, for the the vine itself for that matter is um, is strikingly different mm. um, interesting so the soil is happier the plants yes. are happier ultimately the fruit must be we're happy of course and and for instance more uh, quantitative things um, we we could uh, we can observe is the fact that the ph in the soil went down a little right. bit you know an, another we I, I we started on freshness and freshness is probably the key word um, for the wines of Chateau Pesquier but everything that helps us to have better balance and freshness including that work about having more lively soil is is really extremely important uh, for our winemaking. Uh, let, let's let's talk about that because I think we can tie a few things together here because we're talking about the benefits of a cool climate. Mm -hmm. So we know that cool climate uh, winemaking, uh, and I, I include the growing of the grapes when I say that, produces fruit with uh, and wines with better color, uh, with more acid, which is so important, um, and with more pronounced fruit characteristics. Yes. Um, and those are the keys to making great wine. And so you've got the benefit of the location with the uh, with the, this little bit of altitude that's helping you out and the particular geographic location here in this, this valley. Um, and you're applying organic and biodynamic practices and all of those things should be contributing. Definitely. To a fresher wine. So what does that mean to you, a fresher wine? That's a, a very good question. Um, it is um, the freshness in the wine is somewhere between the minerality of that wine, the um, kind of the how you can really taste, maybe not the stones, but the soil in it, and the acidity of the wine. Um, it's it's some it's it's very hard to define, but it's somewhere People in that talk middle about wines being bright yes. in the same sentence, brightness, right? crispiness. Mm. I suppose it's. Uh, yeah, there's a, has a lot to do about light uh, somehow. And it allows you, I believe, I mean, you, you're, you're much more a winemaker than I am, so, but I think it allows you to find the balance in the wine because you've got yes. the acid to work with, you've got the bright fruit flavors to work with. So then you can use the other techniques to find that perfect balance. Now, balance is, is another extremely important word here. And indeed, when I think about freshness, I, I give it such value because this is what is going to help us to have balance. But the ultimate goal is balance. It is, it is um, even more important to have that freshness where we're located because we're in a warm area. You know, I, I always talk about the fact that we are in a cooler microclimate, but it's because the Southern Rhone is very sunny, uh, quite warm, quite, and with the global warming, you know, these characteristics are, are, are getting even even more extreme. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing Definitely. warmer? warmer? We, in, in the last 25, 30 years, the, the average date of starting to pick the grapes has gone back two weeks. You know, my, my father in the 80s... That's, that's significant. It's very significant. My father used to start the harvest 
um, around the 25th of September. Now we start around the 10th. And in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, for instance, in the 80s, they would start more around the 10th of September, and now they start late August. Now everybody yeah. is going um, earlier and earlier in, in, in the harvesting. And um, there was a time when getting a great majority was the real objective. Yes. Now everybody gets a, a great maturity. Everybody gets too much maturity in a way. Right. So to finally answer your question, you know, the freshness is the key that balances that maturity. And this is what right. is, is the beauty of the Vontuari. Um, we, we do use uh, mostly stainless steel and, um, and concrete for the winemaking. Um, the concrete has actually become more and more important for us over the last years. Um, we do have a quite um, gentle extraction process um, and, and more and more gentle uh, through the years. We're kind of letting it infuse rather than trying to really get everything out that, uh, from, from the skin and the seeds and trying to press too hard. Um, but um, the, um, in terms of yeast, we do use um, we, we do let indigenous yeast work on the reds, but we still control with neutral uh, yeasts for whites and rosé. Okay. Um, but by the way, we do about seventy five percent of red, and you know about fifteen of white and. So natural rosé. indigenous fermentation for all of those reds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that's 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 been the rule for for ages now. Um, the aging of the wine is, um, especially for our best cuvées, is probably where we've become more precise across the years with my brother. Mm -hmm. um, we've come to use uh, slightly bigger barrels, um, lighter, more five hundred liter barriques. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's still it's still a a gradual process, you know, everything is slow in the wine world, or m many things are, um, but uh, more and more uh, 400, 500, 600 liters. Okay. Um, it's been a while that we've also gone through much lighter toasting. Okay. You know, the toasting is the... So the, two, two elements to reduce or to control the amount of uh, oak influence. Yes. Because absolutely. a larger, larger barrel yeah. will have less surface area definitely per quantity of wine definitely. and and you're also talking about a lighter toasting as well so. yes which is the same idea to really just work in underlining the fruit rather than bringing uh, new flavors mm -hmm. okay um, and and uh, and a third point that has been quite important and that goes exactly in the same direction is that we, we've been using um, each year older and older uh, barrels. So we do buy okay, a few so new barrels every year, but the average age of a barrel at Pesquier right now is probably four, four and a half year. Okay, so you're happy with a reduced amount of new oak. Again, yes. the same concept, right? Yes. Uh, exactly. Keeping the oak tame. Well, uh, look, I'm, as you're talking, I'm enjoying the aroma of this uh, uh, terrace. That's a 2016, the 2016 brand, brand new vintage. It's lovely. It's, um, it's got loads of fruit and lovely, deep, uh, earthy uh, elements. 
Yeah, it's a it's a blend. But it's not it's not okay. It doesn't have it's not overpowered by now. Here there's hardly any barrels. It's uh, for this oh, cuvee. Okay. okay. It's there's about ten percent maybe of the oh, blend, okay. but it's uh, it's mostly uh, concrete and uh, and uh, stainless steel. Mm -hmm. It's sixty percent Grenache and forty percent Syrah. So a little bit of the image of uh, of the vineyards. It's kind of a global picture of the estate. A um, lot of limestone. Uh, a few kinds of clay, a little bit of marl, a little bit of sand. Mm -hmm. So um, a, a big blend of terroir being, you know, first uh, um, rather than a big blend of grapes, you know. Yeah. Way. Lovely. Uh, a very nice wine. Can I ask you a little bit about blending? And again, we'll, we'll, I think we'll wrap this up shortly. But I'd like to like to understand your your uh, your approach to blending because typically, and you've described this um, from from the other angle, which is the types of grapes that are used uh, within uh, within the Rhone Valley, within the Southern Rhone particularly, and within Ventoux. Um, you have. Uh, a large proportion of Grenache, a reasonably high proportion of Syrah, you've got Mouvedre, you've got, um, what am I missing, Cinso. Cinso. Um, and so this makes the blending process uh, more complicated, I think. Now, yeah. for a winemaker, blending is always, I think, ultimately the magic to producing a fantastic wine. It's the, the thing that you can control in the, in, the, in the cellar in terms of producing a, a superior wine. So oftentimes when you're blending, you're picking from different lots and trying to get the right combination. This lot has this characteristic, this lot has that characteristic. But in this case, you're also making decisions about how much of each varietal to put in. And this is a, it must be a very big challenge for, for you and your brother to do the, the blending. It's both the, the, the most exciting and the most compli complicated uh, part of the, of the job, really. Because uh, it's it is extremely fun, you know, to kind of sit at the table and play a little chemist yeah, with, uh, yes. with all our tanks and uh, and uh, but in the same time, you know, once you reach the final decision, there's no going back. So mm. you you'd rather not not miss, you know. Yeah. But um, I think there is um, people when they think about blend, only think about blending different grapes. Um, I think the art of blending starts with blending terroir. And um, mm -hmm. I was telling you earlier, you know, we have a lot of limestone, but we have different kinds of clay, for instance, with more or less iron oxides or a little bit of sand, some blue marl. And, and this is probably one of the reasons why we also have all these different varietals, you know, and, but we, we that, that you mentioned, you know, Grenache, Syrah, Carignan, Saint-Saul, Mourvedre, Marcelin, etc. But then you have the orientation of the vine, of, of the plot, I mean, the, the density of the plot, etc. And, um, and this, you, for me, you can blend Grenache with Grenache with Grenache, you know, it's because you'll have very different tanks um, that, that come out of the same variety. So it's the, the variety is only one dimension, one of the parameters that you blend. But right. um, it's uh, we have an incredibly big toolbox with these varieties of soils and varieties of of uh, grapes, um, and uh, 
I wish I I'm not trying to hide any secret about how how you blend, but it's uh, it's it's really after understanding your vines, tasting them vintage after vintage, that slowly there are some kind of um, path that are drawn, you know, in your in your olfactive memory, and so from a year to another, we actually end up often putting the same plots together because they somehow make sense for reasons we, we don't really know, except that we think they taste beautifully this way. Fantastic. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a terrific description. I think that we should wrap it up based on your time commitments. Um, if there's anything else you'd like to add, though, the, the floor is yours. You can talk about other elements that you might wish to talk about. Well, I'd, li I'd like to welcome... Uh, all, all the persons and uh, the, the people that are going to listen to that podcast to come to the Rhone Valley, come uh, come to the Ventoux, come to Chateau Pesquet. Um, the, and I would highly recommend it. I uh, am struck by the beauty of the valley. Thank you. This is a, a really incredibly picturesque area. We're very uh, blessed. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you again. Uh, I'm enjoying very much your wine. Cheers. Uh, and we'll upload to the to the site some show notes so people can see uh, see your picture uh, see some pictures of the um, of the three-dimensional uh, schematics that show the the location the unique location of this valley and this winery and uh, some more information about Chateau Pesquier um, a fantastic winery a fantastic range of wines and Les Terras, uh, which is available uh, quite widely in Canada yes. and the U.S., Absolutely. Um, is, a, is a really terrific wine uh, and a, an amazing price point. I'm, I'm impressed that you can produce such a wonderful wine at such a great price point. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that interview with Fred. Uh, at Chateau Pesquet. It, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing time of year. We were there in May of this year. Uh, it, it's a gorgeous place. It's hard to describe. It's a very special little valley set apart from the larger Rhone Valley. I encourage you to visit. It's a wonderful place and wonderful wines. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, and I trust you'll agree that Chateau Pesquet and the Ventoux region are a compelling example of what the wine beat is really all about and what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to find cool niches that provide outstanding wines of great character. I hope you picked up on a few things that I thought were really fascinating. It's interesting to note that in the Ventoux, because of that altitude and that cooler climate, they use a bit more Syrah than some of the other subregions within the southern Rhone. So they're a little bit more in the Northern Rhone style in that regard. A few other interesting things. So Chateau Pesquier was established at about the same time as Ventoux uh, achieved its own AOC status as a region. And so their histories are quite intertwined and they have a, you know, this is all relatively recent uh, based on, you know, in terms of French wines. And so this is a young region and a young winery in, in relative terms and, and showing some of the, the things that can be done uh, 
in in regions such as these. Uh, very cool how the parents uh, broke free from the cooperatif and the negociant system and, uh, and established their own winery and their own sales channels. Again, a great example of innovation in the region. And then the brothers, the next generation, how they cut their teeth in other wine regions of the world. They traveled, they worked around around the world, and then they, they brought all the, the learnings they had back to Chateau Pesquier and applied them in the Ventoux. So really bringing the game up in that region. Let's talk just for a moment about the wines of Chateau Pesquier. I think uh, I, these deserve a great shout out. The Chateau Pesquier Terrasses Red is a complete bargain at uh, at the you know roughly twenty dollar price point less in the U.S. Um, the vintage you will find on the shelves is still a, a young and restrained, but it's showing lots of lots of complex subtle fruit. It's got a very velvety tannic grip to it. Um, there's lots of that freshness uh, coming from the acidity that Fred talks about in the interview. Loads of chocolate and loads of spice. Uh, you can drink that wine now, uh, but it'll be even better in five to ten years. So if you can buy a few bottles and put them away. The Wine Advocate has given the 2015 a score of 92 points and the 2016 a score of 91 points. Jancis Robinson rates this wine highly. As you know, I'm not a big fan of point scores, but just to give you the sense that you know, experts are rating these wines highly. This is this, these are these wines are an absolute bargain at this price, and exactly what we hope to find by by going to places like the Von Two. Take the time to check out some of the materials on the show notes for this episode on the website. You'll find links to Chateau Pesquier. They have a great website, so check out their website. Uh, you'll also find a link to the extremely helpful industry website, uh, Rhone-Wines.com. So that's R-H-O-N-E-W-I-N-E-S.com. This website provides reams of information on the Rhone region, all of the subregions, including the Vontu, and, and is absolutely uh, indispensable if you're going to go to the Rhone or if you're just going to go and buy some Rhone, Rhone wines. Fantastic stuff. Don't forget, there's also a companion podcast that I've that I've created which is my attempt to summarize all of the complexity and the beauty of the Rhone wine region. It's episode number four in our series, and I hope you'll enjoy my overview of this magnificent area. In that episode, I talk quite a lot about the geography and geological history of the area. It's interesting to note, and I think this gives a bit of an insight into the Von Tu region, special uh, place, their special soils, etc., that when this entire region was covered by the Mediterranean Sea uh, 15 million years ago, I think it was, Mont Ventoux was an island in that sea. Um, we'll talk more about that geology and that history and, and then you know more recent history in that companion podcast about the Roman influence, etc. But quite cool to picture what this would have looked at, looked like at that time and, and then and then how that translates to the way the region is today. The Rhone region ultimately is an agricultural region. So what you're going to find is not only a plethora of great wines, but also all of the other local produce, whether it's vegetables, meats, uh, cheeses, fruits, all of that sort of stuff. 
your red wines from the Rhone will always go very well with meats. They're rich and they're hearty, and so they'll go well with 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 big meat dishes. Um, but consider having a rosé, a white, or even a red with a pre-dinner appetizer. Uh, charcuterie board is exactly the kind of thing you'll find in the Rhone Valley, and not just a charcuterie board, but a very big charcuterie board with lots of meats, um, lots of dried meats and sausages and, and that sort of thing, but lots of cheeses and even some fruit. Um, so here's an idea, you know, put together a charcuterie board when you're having a Rhone wine with some olives also and all of those things I mentioned um, and spend at least an hour and a half or two hours or even longer with friends and eating that and drinking your wine, enjoying the sunset before you go on to the main meal. That would be a perfectly Rhone way to spend some time. Okay, uh, don't forget to check out our website. That's winebeatpod.com, W-I-N-E-B-E-A-T-P-O-D.com. And let me know how you enjoyed this podcast and the others we've uploaded. Really, I sincerely look forward to that feedback. And if you send an email email at... uh, at winebeatpod at gmail.com, winebeatpod at gmail.com. I'll not only take your comments to heart uh, so that I can improve the show and respond, but I'll also get back to you personally on that email and let and we can have a conversation. We can draw out all the feedback and, and, um, and make the show better. Also, very importantly, please subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, leave a rating for the show if you can. As you know, podcasts need subscribers and comments like the Rhone Valley needs the Mistral winds. So long. Thanks for tuning into the Wine Beat. See you next time.